0: Say no news is good news, but what happens when your podcast is all news? Well, it ends up being the Heal and Face podcast here on Heel Turn Wrestling. Just when I uh, got the logo down in position where the camera is, I switched it up on myself and just like when you think you know the answers, I change the question. It's a wonderful quote that I just had right there because I'm going to be talking about that particular individual later on in the podcast. And by the way, again, like I said, it's me, it's me, the big old Stevie C here live in full effect with y'all on a bleh Sunday afternoon, almost evening, coming to you live with the heel and Face podcast on Heel Turn Wrestling. Live on Facebook and streaming other places as well. Well, man, I tell you what, it has been a very busy week. A lot of shenanigans, a lot of tomfoolery, a lot of brouhaha, a lot of uh, jibber jabber, and a lot of other old time alliterative phrases. But we are here and we're here to talk about it. There isn't a whole lot to talk about as far as actual analyzing the wrestling this week. And to be honest, I didn't even catch a whole lot of it. I just caught NXT and I also caught another promotion that I talk about pretty frequently on the show. And I'm gonna save my comments on that promotion at the end of the show. So I can also um, uh, give you all of the news, all of the news, because that's what we do on the Heel and Face podcast. Going to adjust this just a little bit. There we go. Fantastic. So uh, as you know, this I have been messing with trying to improve in a constant state of improvement. Of the show and I uh improved the crawl that you see above you, and you definitely want to pay attention to that crawl. I'll talk about it in just a second. And I have been tinkering with things and presenting the podcast in different ways because you, the fans, deserve to have a clean, presentable, professional-looking podcast. Because as a graduate of the Bobby Heenan Scroll of Broadcast Journalism, I feel it is my duty to be able to provide a high quality wrestling podcast for you. Where can you catch me? You can catch me on all social media platforms. I'm not just on Facebook. I have a page now on Twitter. Of course, obviously the uh Twitter handle you can at me at any time. I have a page on Minds Now. I have a page on Locals. All you need to do is just find Heel and Face Podcast. And just like the Jackson 5 said, I'll be there. So you can check me out there. Um, The other social media platforms don't necessarily uh, cater to long form videos yet. So I just upload some snippets and some uh, cool uh, takes that I have to the various places. You can only get me live here on Facebook. So make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, notify, do all the good things that you need to do out there to make yourself a part of the experience and help the show grow. I'm at 1100 likes right now, and I don't have a personal goal per se, but I would like to see the audience grow at least another thousand or so. I think that would be pretty cool. And all you need to do is let your friends know that I'm on here rambling about wrestling for an hour or so every Saturday or every Sunday. Uh, Make sure that you tell your friends. Uh, I'm encountering a lot of people who say, you know, I really don't like wrestling, but I have a friend who does. Well, that's great. That's perfect. Because yes, I do care. And if you're a friend of mine, you should be liking and sharing the page anyway. But if you're one of those people that says that they don't personally like wrestling, but they have a friend who does, well, then send your friend my way and have them like and share and subscribe and click the notifications and do all those things that we need in order to stay successful and on the Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you notice the crawl above you again... It's not just me, and I'm about to rep a bunch of guys here too. It's not just me; it is the entire heel turn wrestling family. So, how do you get a hold of us? Well, you can definitely go on Facebook, and you can find HT Wrestling three one six. That's HT Wrestling three one six on Facebook, and that'll just bring you links and bring you videos of everybody we've got on here. We've got the sleeper hold. We've got the war room with Kevin. We've got Piers Austin, and now Piers Austin is going nuts because. He's got three different podcasts as last as I count. I was watching a little bit of He is starting a new podcast with uh, the Angel from ECW, the old ECW days. I think it was closer to the end of the ECW days when they were basically kind of looking for guys. No disrespect to him, obviously, because yeah, the dude is 100% a uh, bad dude you don't want to mess with. But yeah, he would have probably been a lot bigger had ECW been able to stay afloat, sustain itself, not get sold to Vince McMahon. I think he might have been a huge, uh, a, huge a bigger deal. Uh, but if you remember him, he had some feuds with New Jack and uh, some pre, uh, pre, pre badass matches. Uh, so uh, Pierce definitely has a cool podcast with him called uh, "Killing uh, the Business." Pierce has got his other. Uh, shooting the S with all of the major players in the Australian wrestling scene. And uh believe he's a part of the 2020 wrestling trivia show. So uh, he's got a lot going on. We've got my show, obviously. And of course, the man with the plan behind all of this, Billy Alexander with The Franchise Takes Five. And he's actually going on with Beyond the Mic or Behind the Mic tonight. So you want to definitely pay attention to that. And, of course, they made their debut last week, and they brought it, as they always do, with in their uh, earlier iterations that I looked and found them on uh, the internet. But shout out to the guys at To The Turnbuckle. That's Travis Napper, the Bruiser, James McCarthy, and the host, and the reigning and defending king of Loganity, Logan Morris, every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, from 5 to about 8-ish. They're going to be bringing all of the funk on that day. So check them out again. We're trying to make this thing a a thing, right? We're trying to make Heel Turn Wrestling the biggest website media outlet for news and information about the world of professional wrestling and commentary as well. We're trying to do this thing big and we can't do it. Uh, without you guys which means that's why we need the subscriptions we need the likes we need all that i'm not shy about it our goal is a hundred thousand subscribers by uh, the end of the year and we are at 89 now i think so um we're getting close we can do it and once that happens uh kids it's wide open so another way again you can support the show i know i'm sorry i plug a lot i'm not a player i just plug a lot um We do have a store that you can also go to to show your support, and that is our store at Pro Wrestling Tees. That's right. ProWrestlingTees.com is your source for all of your favorite wrestlers, uh, gear, wrestlers, merch, and also merch from uh, wrestling-adjacent personalities, including... Heel Turn Wrestling. So you can get Billy Alexander's Franchise Takes Fives podcast shirt. You can get a shirt with the brand on it, Heel Turn Wrestling. You can get our blogger and meme god extraordinaire Alcoholic Adams t-shirt. And, of course, if I might say so myself, you can get your hands on the hottest, freshest, flyest t-shirt on the whole store, the Healing Face podcast t-shirt. Again, go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling all one word that's pro wrestling backslash heel turn wrestling i mean i'm repping the shirt right now people yeah take a look boom i'm repping the shirt right now so uh, you definitely want to give us give us a shot with that man um any way you can help us spread the product uh, that'd be great and who knows at some point we may even help you or we we may even give you the opportunity to help us In other ways, spread the product. We might even make it worth your while. And that's all I can legally say about that right now. So uh, thanks for tuning in with me. And we're just going to get right to it. We're just going to get right to uh, the news because honestly, again, like I said, that's all I have. Um, That is all I have. And the first topic is uh, that it's an organization that I haven't really talked a whole lot about, promotion that I haven't talked a whole lot about. But again, the probably recognized worldwide internationally as the second biggest wrestling promotion in the world crowned a winner of the World Cup last week. And it happens to be Will Ospreay, who a lot of people felt that this was coming. Um, he had gone through everybody, gone through Sonata, he'd gone through, um, I think the finals was against, uh, let me check real quick um was takagi that's right and it was an amazing match go back and see it if you can this also sets up will osprey fighting kodabushi for the newly um, unified iwgp heavyweight belt for those of you who don't know the iwgp heavyweight belt and the iwgp intercontinental belt were merged and unified as of last week before this Tournament began and given to Kota Ibushi. And um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Me personally, I feel like the more belts people have, the better. And they've been rolling with the two belt deal for a long time, so it was only a matter of time before they got rid of the belt again. It's kind of a shame. There's a really there's a really nice lineage of the belt of the Intercontinental Belt in New Japan, but they didn't decide to keep it. And anyway, back to Will Osprey. So Will Osprey's really killing it right now. He's making his push to be one of the best wrestlers if not the best wrestler in the world and we'll find out at uh the next event uh, uh Sakura Genesis whether or not will osprey is in fact the greatest professional wrestler in the world if he can have the heavyweight belt and uh still be uh the British champion with rev Pro as well that's uh that's going to be a strong argument and uh may definitely be a chink in the armor, a definite—I shouldn't say Matt. Maybe I'll just go back and say a monkey wrench in the machine, a loose cog in the sprocket, whatever you want to say. In uh, in uh, Kenny Omega's quest to become multiple promotion champion, I don't think that Will Osprey winning the belt is going to just roll over and let Kenny Omega come in sight unseen and win it no matter what kind of history is trying to make. I mean, I honestly, if, if I had to just put it this way, if I had to choose between two people who were currently going to wear the uh, IWGP belt, Ibushi or Osprey, the one who would most be vulnerable, in my opinion would be Ibushi Osprey and Omega really haven't wrestled each other. Osprey is infinitely more talented and infinitely better wrestler than Omega. So it would be really hard, I think, to take this belt off Osprey, especially after he just, uh, win wins it. So I don't know. We'll see about that, but Will Ospreay is your winner. Uh, he did say that he would do anything to be IWGP world heavyweight champion, uh, step over anybody, break every rule, cross every line. It doesn't matter to him. He went on to have some really disparaging things to say about Ibushi, saying that he was just given shots, that he never really took them. And then when the moment shined the brightest, he always failed. And it was only this final time where he was any good in his career, whereas every position, every shot that Will Ospreay was given by New Japan, and he not only took it, ran with it, but shined it up real nice. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to see going on. Um, I'm not going to make any kind of predictions, anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to say, Hey, it's going to be real hard to take the belt off. will Ospreay. If in fact it goes to Will Ospreay. All right. Uh, Next, just going to jump over from topic to topic, to topic, to topic. And we're going to go to the ones that kind of shocked uh, than most people, there's a I don't want to say controversy, but there's a mixed reports uh, from a couple of people here. I don't really know who to believe on this, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you uh, in a minute once we start. <clears throat> Oops, sorry. Oops, sorry. There we are. Okay. Um, so, congratulations to Kane, RVD, and the great Kali, who are more inductees into the 2021 Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. I should say. And it's really interesting to see uh, these three coming in in succession. Um, Although I will make a comment about Rob Van Dam in a moment, but you've got one guy who's well-deserved. You've got one guy who's only being put in in order to corner a market. And you're putting a guy in who no one really thought was on wwe's radar recently but here we are so kane kane is an obvious one kane is a no-brainer with all the crap that he had to put into or up with before he actually became kane and now to see him uh literally the nicest professional wrestler you you'll ever meet it also doesn't hurt that he's a libertarian but i don't want to get too political uh kane is probably the one of the easiest, safest wrestlers to work with. People love working with him. Uh, he's a super nice guy. He never said a crossword about anybody. He's been a company man. He's never had any inclination to go anywhere else. He's been very loyal. And uh, it's not like uh, he's had to scrape by in his life either. He's been compensated very fairly for his work in the WWE. Uh, The Great Kali, on the other hand, is a uh, almost absolute mystery. Uh, If it were not the fact that, uh, what, 80 or 90 percent of all of the traffic on WWE television uh, comes from India, that we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And, you know. It is what it is. It's the WWE Hall of Fame. They're not exactly keeping statistics. I mean, for crying out loud, Pete Rose isn't the WWE Hall of Fame. So take it for what you will. It's just Vince and the WWE appealing to arguably the third or second or third largest global market in the world. And then now you've got RVD, who... I don't know if they've even made a huge reveal, which is weird because when WWE makes these announcements, it's usually uh, from a major media market. Like they'll tell ESPN or they'll leak it to CBS or they'll leak it anywhere, and someone will get that opportunity uh, to break the news first. I have a theory about this, which is going to lead to my next topic. I don't want to burn that, but honestly, um, I think this was under the radar because the WWE in selling to Peacock did not want a bunch of people going up looking up RVD matches in ECW and WWE and I will comment on Peacock coming up soon. Now, uh we had a very emotional reaction. The Undertaker broke it on the bump. The Undertaker was driving somewhere and um Kane was in his office overseeing uh, the uh, the city where he's the mayor, and uh, Kane broke down and had an emotional uh, issue. And I think Undertaker was speaking for all of us when he said that there is no WWE Hall of Fame without Kane. And that's pretty much true. And just real quick, before I get off on a tangent, when you see guys like Kane get into the hall of fame. And yes, he's won a ton of belts and he's made a lot of money in pro wrestling. And he is one of the nicest guys in pro wrestling. Some people may say, well, he didn't really, wasn't really impactful. He didn't really, you know, move the meter. He was just some big guy, right place at right time. Well, there is a lot to be said about people who just like their jobs and people who just like being employed. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we're going to be giving The Miz a Hall of Fame. You know, we're going to be hearing his Hall of Fame speech probably in the next 10 to 15 years. Daniel Bryan is another guy Oh, he did kind of move the meter a little bit. Maybe he's an exception. But it's okay to be good at your job. It's okay to understand, it, you know, for, for all this, this talk that we do about this wrestler going over here and, and I'm about to talk about the big show too. So, I and mean, all of these different people going to different federations and promotions and stuff and coming to Vince and hating it and leaving, there's something to be said about actually liking your job. I kind of feel like Kevin Steen is the same way because the perception I got from Kevin Steen is that you know, he may be a slight pain in the behind, but he's really super talented and he's a good worker. Well, we overuse the cliche that it's my dream as a wrestler to be in the WWE. And it really was for Kevin uh, Owens. He, he he is. And I don't see him going anywhere. It's not like he's going to be disgruntled and not used in 10 years. Kevin Steen is going to be a huge part of the WWE from now until forever. Amen. So when you think about him in terms of Kane, he can be a Kane. He can be, um, a Miz. He can be somebody who's just been a stalwart and actually likes his job. And, probably has it well compartmentalized in his brain the sucky parts of his job he probably puts off to the side he doesn't look like he's a political guy he doesn't look like he's always trying to get into vince's office to get another push or whatever he just is a guy who lets his his work speak for itself in the ring and he likes being a wrestler and he likes being in the wwe and there's nothing wrong with that so kane god bless congratulations thank you for being good at your job and on top of your job for like 20 years and you deserve it. Can't say the same about great Kali and Rob Van Dam is going to be part of another story that I'm about to go into. Just want to make a quick reaction. And I think people also overblue, which is what I have right there in the graphic below. Batista delayed his nomination for the fans last year. He was going to be one of the big name guys. Cause as we know, Vince has a formula old school guy, wrestler of color, female wrestler, possibly deceased wrestler, though it's not really a, a, a wholesome category to be part of, but he tries, he tries to pick somebody from the past. Um, he'll dunk a, induct a bunch of pioneers, and then that's it. So everybody fits a formula. And uh, Batista was the big draw formula slot for last year, and he politely declined. Uh, he may have a couple of movies coming out right now. He might be on a tighter schedule than people are giving him credit for, but he said he would like to be in front of all the fans. And you got to respect him for that, man. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, wanting to be in front of all the fans. Uh, so uh, don't worry, Batista's not getting any heat for this. He's Again, probably has a huge schedule. He's probably working. He's probably filming a movie somewhere. We know that Guardians of the Galaxy is probably in post-production right now. So he's probably gearing up for that. And who knows? He might be you uh, know, in, in – uh, in a future James Gunn-directed DC Solomon Grundy movie. Who knows? All we know is cool. be cool with Batista. There's no reason to get on him for not being part of the Hall of Fame. But congratulations to these three. Uh, they, uh, at some point, deserved it, whether you can justify it or not. The tricky one is definitely RVD. uh, uh we're going to talk about right now. Sorry, I had to hit the uh the dump button for a second, the sensor button. So, uh yeah, so talking about RVD, and it's not like he doesn't deserve it because he's one of those guys that had a unique style, he was good for his time. Uh he he kind of revolutionized because if you want to talk about the influence of all of the high spots and all the cool stuff that wrestlers do now, you can either attribute it to the Hardys or Rob Van Dam. They they're the they're the two of the nineties who made it really cool to do all that stuff. I mean, if you want to think about uh, the the Young Bucks, then there is no Young Bucks if there's no Rob Van Dam or or the Hardys. So I'm not questioning this. I'm actually encouraging this, I'm encouraging you to go look up stuff on Rob Van Dam to remember how good he actually was. And despite the gimmick or despite him living his truth too much, he was a pretty daggone good wrestler. Now, when you go, when you look up Rob Van Dam, you want to be very careful because if you do, you might not be able to see as much uh, of him on the internet as you may have had if you were a subscriber with the WWB network. Um, it seems like that, uh, hold on, I'm trying to stall for time a little bit here. It seems like Peacock is taking away a lot of questionable, or what they call, sensitive material. And this is from Yahoo Entertainment from Deadspin and Bruce Harling or Bruce Herring is reporting Peacock is editing network content with sensitive material. Quote, social media is in an uproar over Peacock's decision to enter to edit certain past events from its recently acquired WWE network video library. NBC universal has been trimming some matches, along with questionable racial content and profanity. Fans complaining are claiming that by doing so, the networks are erasing history. In the words of some enthusiasts, some not all. Now, the article goes on to state that uh, the two incidents that people are talking about um, one is completely racially charged. It's the promo from uh, WrestleMania 6 with the match between Roddy Roddy Piper and Bad News Allen. And, um, the other incident they're talking about is, uh, Vince McMahon was really feeling himself on that raw that he saw John Cena and he called John Cena the inappropriate rap term word for African-Americans. And just as he turned the corner, Booker T was right there and Booker T says, he didn't just say that. Tell me, he didn't just say that. So there's mixed reaction in the world about this, and uh, not only that. And the reason why, of course, I bring it up isn't because um, of just of those two incidences. But again, if you're trying to look up, say, Rob Van Dam or the Sandman or the Dudley Boys, you're going old school. You're like, I hear about all these old guys. I'm a newer wrestling fan. People tell me how good wrestling used to be, and I want to. I hear these all these old other wrestling podcasts from these old guys who are now uh, using the podcast gimmick to make money. I want to know how they did. I've been listening to Busted Open Radio, and I've been talking. I've been hearing Bully Ray talk about the past and how wrestling should go all the time. What does he know? Does he know anything? I'm gonna go back. So, if you go back and try to find the Dudley Boys. You might not be able to see where they powerbombed Mae Young through a table. You won't be able to see. You might not be able to see EC, all ECW matches. You definitely aren't going to hear Bully Ray uh, pretty much call all the females in, uh, uh, at the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, horrors. You're definitely not going to hear that. And I know that some fans are upset. And I know that this is c- kind of the continuation of wokeism in our culture. It's just happening. And uh, don't think that corporations are participating in wokeism because uh, it's the kindness of their hearts. It's the best interest of their bottom line. If there's anything that's going wrong these days, people will point it out quickly and you will be shut down and it'll be a worse PR move. You'll pay more in the long run. I know it's a form of extortion and I don't want to get too political because I like to just keep it to professional wrestling, but it has infected professional wrestling as well. But here's the twist. Here's the big thing. Here's what I take out of it. I'm not even that upset. I know a lot of wrestling fans are. They're upset because, again, they feel like we're just erasing history. Well, let's be honest. Who is clamoring for that Roddy Piper uh, promo? And for those of you who don't know, for those of you who are youngsters, those of you who were not able to view all of the WrestleManias, I will elucidate for you. So at this point, Vince is just basically giving payouts to some of the veterans uh, that were with him since the beginning but haven't made it. Bad News Brown slash Bad News Allen had been hanging around uh, for a while, and he really hadn't had that major of a push. He only had one half push against Hogan and was squashed immediately. He really hadn't had anything happen for him. And actually, at this point, I think after this, uh, they actually turned him uh, into a babyface. I think this was kind of his reward for going through this stupid angle with Roddy Piper well, somehow some way or another things happen. Blah, blah, blah. And Piper and Brown are going to fight at WrestleMania. Well, Brown a week earlier had shot a promo about how Piper thinks he's tough because he's from the streets of Portland or the streets of Scotland. And like, that's anything Rob well, from the streets of Harlem and it's way tougher there. And I love Harlem. I'm going to bring Harlem to the match. Yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, wrestling promo, wrestling promo, wrestling promo. well, Piper took this opportunity to try to educate us just how liberated he is by wearing half blackface. right. If there are those of you out there who remember, you're old enough like me to remember the old Star Trek uh, TV show that was in reruns. I didn't see it actually when it was you know when it was on NBC in the 60s. I would always see the reruns uh, on Saturday mornings and whatnot. In syndication. And we all know one of the famous scenes or the famous episodes was the Star Trek episode where the Kirk and the Enterprise have to be uh have to help keep the peace between a planet who's racially divided, and literally half of their face is white and the other half is black, and then they flipped it for the other side, the other half is black, and the other half is white, and they were in this giant. Planet wide civil war because of it, yada, yada, yada. And of course, never letting a questionable idea go to waste, Roddy Piper decided that he would also kind of incorporate that kind of aesthetic into a promo by saying that, see, look, I'm white and now I'm black because he had half white, half black face on, and he showed his arm was black and one of his arms was regular, or I should say that, I'm sorry. Uh, was was uh, him, you know, without blackface. And uh, he tries to justify it and talk through the interview by saying, I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care where you're from. It's all about one race of people, the human race. And don't make this into a racial thing because I'm going to beat you up. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white, I'll still beat you up. That's what Piper was trying to say. What came off was a very awkward babyface promo about racial equality while we're waiting to see the heel in this. Bad news, Alan, bad news, Brown, just beat the bejesus out of him or whatever. I don't even remember the match. I don't remember the finish. I mean, I'm assuming Piper went over because at this point he was the babyface. But, I mean, completely terrible execution on his part. Complete. Utter disaster. So why would anybody want to see that? It's not, it's not, it's not even worth, it's not, it's it's not worth going back to. It's not worth revisiting. It's just, hey, Bad News Allen cuts a promo and Piper takes it out on the ring. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Piper may, I think, at the last minute, washed all that off and went to the ring i don't know all i know is is that it was ill-conceived and it was stupid and they let him get away with it and he did it and and we're all worse for it and to complain that that's not going to be part of the wwe deal with peacock you're just really grasping at straws do we need to see vince mcmahon say the n-word it's probably on youtube it's probably on Vimeo. It's probably on Daily Motion. It's probably constantly uploaded to 4chan and all these other different places. We don't really need to hear Vince McMahon say it. Do we need to see Trish Stratus on all fours barking like a dog? No, we don't need to see that. We don't need to see any of it. I'm not sad that it's not there. So, uh, you know, now I do agree with some fans. Some fans that do for some reason want to see it and did pay for it are canceling their subscriptions And that's their rights. You know, hey, nobody's twisting your arm. I ended up buying the uh, premium plus on Peacock because I was paying that much anyway for WWE. And I might as well get every NBC Universal show ever of life without commercials. So, you know, it's no skin off my nose. I don't care if a lot of the stuff is censored. Um, Again, they're doing the same thing that the Disney uh, app is doing. Uh, personally, I felt that Disney should just have never uploaded anything. Just basically said like Dumbo and Peter Pan, the live actions are our canon Now we're not even worried about the 1944 Dumbo, even though we won like a ton of uh, Oscars for it. We're not worried about that's not part of our history anymore because it's too racially insensitive. They should have just not even uploaded it. Just let it go. Just not even worry about it. But Disney calling attention to it by saying racially insensitive, sexually inappropriate, all those kind of things um, just made it worse. And at least Peacock should have done that. Peacock should at least have said to some of the things, hey, this might be mildly sexual. Please be careful. Let your children watch it. And I would have been kind of OK with that, too. The biggest issue that I have with Peacock is you cannot rewind or uh, stop, we can pause, but uh, live events, you can't rewind and go back to anything. So if there was a huge move you want to see, if you're looking for botches at WrestleMania, you won't be able to do it. It was just a cluster trying to upload everything. Uh, they had to hurry up and, and load everything. Uh, whereas when WWE developed the WWE Network, along with the same company that developed... A, Uh, The MLB Network, they were able to take their time and upload things piecemeal and it makes a smoother transition to be able to house all of the videos and do whatever they want on the go live on WWE Network because they already had a company that was working on it with another company with another major promotion and then gradually put things together after two or three years and then they could launch it. They're just slapdashing together stuff with Peacock because NBC Universal wants to get content, wants to be in the content wars. I really hope that when they get enough subscribers, when they get enough people, Peacock really kind of not shuts down, but slows down, throttles down a little bit. So they can make us uh, give us all of the functionality of the WWE network on all their shows, not just for WWE matches, like live matches. Like what if they're showing like, Like Premier League what if there's a score and you want to see it over again you should be able to rewind it just like if there was a spot that you wanted to see on a wrestling match over again or what if there was a touchdown by the future NFL champion Cleveland Browns what if uh, Jarvis Landry hits Odell Beckham over the middle for a 60-yard touchdown in the Super Bowl which will most likely happen within the next year or two. I want to be able to rewind that if I'm watching the Super Bowl on NBC on Peacock, but I guess not because reasons. So my issues with the Peacock channel are not most people's issues with the Peacock channel. But I understand where fans are coming from, that NBC is just covering their bases because they don't want to fall into the wokeism trap of, hey, did you know that there was um, a woman who was doing a striptease on top of a building? on a pay-per-view called ecw uh, in 1998 living dangerously and uh you own that now nbc and then of course nbc universal big wigs running around the office in a panic uh because no one caught the uh the video so this is all they're doing and i'm not totally against it it just it is what it is now here's the other final thing because i know i've gone on uh for quite a bit about it but the final. Uh, idea about it is this is a temporary deal people don't realize that this deal is only for like three or five years and it's only dependent upon how much of the roi that nbc universal and peacock gets from wwe content they do not own everything you can still buy dvds you can still buy you know um packages or whatever WWE Network is going dark during WrestleMania and Vince still owns all of the material. He still owns all those videos. Peacock is just choosing whether or what it wants to upload and, and what it wants to contain. So it's not like they own everything as soon as it's on. And since the deal is only like for three or five years with a bunch of elevator clauses in it, if it doesn't work, then all Vince has to do is flip WWE Network back on. Simple. So I think people have been overreacting a little bit to the news about Peacock. But we shall uh, see. It shouldn't be too bad. I will be a little concerned if they do finalize. And in five years, NBC decides that WWE is a commodity because then that's ultimately going to lead to the overall sale of WWE to NBC Universal. And then Vince will be able to die a happy man knowing that he turned a company that was, you know, not dying, but the vines definitely needed to be pruned all the way to a multi-million, billion dollar Organization. So Mm -hmm. good. I guess that would be something to look forward to, right? Something that I did not look forward to or did not expect was the big shows signing with AEW. And the more we learn about what his thoughts were and how the WWE treated him on the way out the door with the contract negotiations, does uh, deserve a little bit of uh, a a look-see. So that's the other thing that made the news uh, this week is that uh, Paul White, formerly of The Big Show, went on his second podcast. He was on Renee Paquette's podcast last week, and this week he was on Talk is Jericho because the only podcast AEW wrestlers are allowed to do now is Talk is Jericho. But he was on Talk is Jericho, and he went into further details about the waning days of him being in the WWE. And he went on to say something that I might take him to task a little bit with. Uh, It's not disturbing. It's just a little head-scratching. So we know that contract negotiations went south with the big show. We know that Vince does what Vince does to... His superstars, if he knows that they're on the way out, which is publicly humiliate him. We know that uh, originally Randy Orton was supposed to pie face the big show, uh, but instead he just gave him a shove and embarrassed him and all that stuff. And uh, Paul White was definitely not having it. He said on Talk is Jericho, they're taking my passion away from me. They were taking wrestling away from me and then to just sit there on a ramp and then get called has been. That was just the icing on the cake where I'm like, you know, I need to restart. I need to rebrand myself. Okay. I'm glad he has fire and I'm glad he has passion for the thing that he loves to do. I'm just not 100% sure that if WCW wasn't folding or if there wasn't WCW, I don't know if he'll be able to do it. I don't even know if he'd be on Vince's radar. I mean, he might have been, uh, but just by sheer size alone. But again, was anybody super clamoring for the big show to be in WWE? So I'm glad that he's getting work. I'm glad he's feeling important. I'm glad he's feeling involved. I'm glad he's feeling special and all that. And I'm glad that he's found a home in AEW. But my question is, what was he expecting? He's... Nearing 50, he certainly can't go as well as he used to be able to go. I mean, who can at 50? You know, I'm not knocking that. I'm only three years away from that. Uh, You know, he's lost a significant amount of weight, gotten in significantly better shape, and he may have uh, resurrected his career as far as his athletic ability. But honestly, like, what else was he expecting? To be a top guy in 2021 in WWE? I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, even right now, all he is is an announcer, an announcer on Dark. He's not even on the main show. All he does is announce other underwhelming free agent signings to AEW. He hasn't really done anything that spectacular or or that um, memorable recently. So I don't know. I mean, again, far be it for me to tell someone when to retire. I know my plan was before I got derailed five years ago, my plan was I was going to retire at 53, 55 when I could, because you can, that's when you can as a teacher in Ohio. And yet here we are, um, the big show again, probably wasn't going to be a main event guy anymore. As much as his heart said he was, as much as his mind thought he was, as much as his body said it was okay for him to be, he wasn't going to be a main event guy. I don't think that's necessarily Vince's fault. I think that it's just a question of, hey, you know, like you're just not in the plans anymore. Why do we want to see an older gentleman? I mean, it's bad enough that we have this contract with Goldberg that we have to execute. It's bad enough that we've got other guys coming back like Edge and all that who are in their mid-40s. And as much as we say that wrestling is a young man's game, we've got a bunch of old people still hanging around, still clinging onto their spot. Now, Edge is a little different. I, I, I have a feeling that... Edge wants one, maybe two final runs, and then he's going to completely retire from wrestling. As as long as he can do it on his own terms. It seems like, to me, Edge was fixing to retire very soon anyway. I think the neck injury just exacerbated it a little bit. But now that he's healthy to return, I think he wants to go out on top. I think that's more important for him than actually wrestling until he's 50. So going out on top is probably what Edge wants to do. But as far as Big Show does, I mean – would he be in the AEW picture would he be a main eventer would he be champion would he be a draw would it be somebody people care about or would he be another person that an outsider said oh my god look at the big show he looks bleh. he looks terrible he's bald blah 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 and this it's the same thing they did to jericho jericho's like oh and people were like oh my god jericho's so fat he's in his 50s why is he even on my tv and those were the casual fans those weren't the AEW marks those were casual fans so I don't know what he was expecting. I don't know if he was hoping that he would be like the king of everything and walk in and be able to be a boss in AEW, but it it really isn't that way for him. And I do feel badly for him. <laughs> but I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think being a top guy in a federation is ever going to happen for him anymore. I feel like he may be a little upset that his – Acting career did not take off in the way he wanted to. And let's be honest, literally five minutes before I started, I was finishing up a part of uh Jim Cornette's experience. And I get it, I know. Yes, Jim Cornette, but he did make a good point. Vince has always been the type of guy that will tell you if you can make money elsewhere, go ahead and do it. And if he knew that he could have that relationship with the Big Show, even though Big Show felt disrespected at the end of his run at WWE, if Vince feels like you can make more money somewhere else from somebody else, then Vince wants you to do that because ultimately you'll just make your way back to the WWE too. So sure, Paul, go ahead. Make your money, man. Make your bread. Uh, be on uh, a YouTube channel and be a commentator for guys who probably shouldn't be wrestling, let alone being on any kind of major promotions radar. And that's cool. You know, make. I'm not ever going to begrudge anybody making their money. Do what you got to do. Make your big contract for another four or five years. And then four or five years, you'll get inducted to the Hall of Fame, which is basically kind of what Cornette said anyway, alluded to anyway. So um, that's happening with the big show. Uh, Godspeed. I wish him the best of luck and everything he does. And apparently even Vince called him the day he signed and congratulated him and thanked him for everything and, and whatnot, because that's what Vince do. So, um, yeah, congrats to the big show. You did it. Looks like you made it and, uh, good for you. So we've gotten down again. I'm not going to go on too long today. And there's already, um, things going on in the background afoot, I think I plowed through most of the news and most of anything that was relevant today. But there was one thing that I did watch, one promotion that I did watch, and I watched it last night. Well, let me just say, all right, let me just get this out of the way. Let me just say, I'm going to do a really quick uh, AEW review, and uh, I'm just going to say that, I'm sorry, not AEW, let me just do a real quick NXT review. And let me just say, uh, the show was okay. Uh, you know, it, there was a lot of heat, but it was weirdly booked in, in some different places. Uh, I don't understand w- why they're still doing Robert Stone brand. If the Robert Stone brand is still a bunch of jabronis. Um, I think what they need is, it would be hilarious if they got some veteran to play a nerdy, obscure, uh, wrestling reporter, a wrestling observer to come in and get credentialed and then just basically follow Robert Stone around uh and make Robert Stone look like Tony Khan again Basically a guy uh to look like Dave Meltzer to basically rate uh everything Robert Stone does as uh five stars. I think that would be pretty pretty hilarious. They won't do that, but I think it would be pretty hilarious. I got an idea what veteran I could use and if if I'm in that situation and Maybe I'll talk about it on the Facebook page. I'm not sure. But, yeah, so, anyway, that was kind of weird. Um, I was not happy with how uh, Kushida was booked. There was a match between him and Jordan Devlin to kind of warm Devlin up and get all the sides after each other. I was not a fan of the ending of the match because the, otherwise, I mean, Kushida versus Devlin, you know, really? are you Are you even – serious right now that would be a pay-per-view headlining match as it is but then to uh you know get to the real meat which is escobar versus devlin that was crazy i just didn't like the finish um it made Kushida look kind of weak kind of dumb and of course devlin won uh so uh legado de fantasma come down to the ring uh jordan devlin doesn't notice Kushida. uh bumps him out of the ring and uh, as Devlin falls out of the ring, he's surrounded on both sides by uh, Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. Who uh, he's like backing away from a little bit, and then he looks up the ramp and he sees Escobar. Meanwhile, the ref is counting out. And here's where I thought, okay, cool. You can keep Kushida looking strong by letting him win by count out. You nothing is lost if Devlin loses by count out. He's still the champ, and he still faces Escobar. And you could show like a three on one beatdown which Kushida could then see it and then uh jump uh legato for uh Devlin's sake and then they could basically fight out which is every ending of every AEW match. I wouldn't have been upset with that. I would have actually enjoyed that. But instead Jordan Devlin beats the count gets back into the ring and Kushida's not looking because he's kind of paying attention to Legato, and then Devlin gets kind of an O'Connor roll from behind, and then bridges into a pin. I don't know the logic of that. He just made Kashita look pretty stupid, and then kushita comes out and he attacks them, does a couple of rolling sentons on the flunky as well. Santos makes his way to the ring to confront Devlin, and then HBK's music hits, boom, and then Shawn Michaels pulls a ladder out from underneath, and they sold the ladder thing. So it was kind of a weird patchy way to get the point across of what they wanted stand and deliver to be and hey got to give them credit i'm gonna go on record right now and saying the entire wrestlemania week the match that i'm most looking forward to is devlin versus escobar and it's in a ladder match you could make that main event all four nights as far as i'm concerned Here's a fun little thing though, which happened. So as Michaels was coming off the stage to prepare for the contract signing between he and Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole gives his glance. He looks up and down at Shawn Michaels and they exchange uh, furtive looks and Shawn Michaels then walks away. Uh, so, hmm, a little interesting little uh, exchange between the two of them. I, I like that, a little fan service for everybody. And then, of course, uh, contract signing time. Adam Cole proves once again why he's one of the best wrestlers, not just in WWE, but in the world. He is a major star, and once he finally does go to Raw or SmackDown, he will definitely be a champion. uh, I could definitely see Adam Cole, when this is all said and done, going to be WWE Universal Champion within the next three to five years. He just has it. And his promo was brilliant about how he had an epiphany and his eyes opened and his, and his eyes uh, awoke into the fact that he thought Undisputed Air was a brotherhood, but it was in fact a bunch of lapdogs glamming on, glomming onto his success. And that was brilliant. And now Kyle O'Reilly, I thought he was going to fire with something else. I know Kyle O'Reilly has a different personality. I know Kyle O'Reilly does things differently, but he did not cut the best promo. He kept it really cool. He only raised his voice when Adam Cole was looking the other way. He was like, look at me. Um, it was a very weird promo. He talked about how he, in his heart of hearts, he wants a disputed era back. And he's fantasizing that at some point Adam Cole would change his mind and come back and reform it. And I don't I, honestly I don't know. Uh all I know is it wasn't Kyle O'Reilly's best promo. And yet it got the point across. I am looking forward to this match, too. It's going to be pretty dope. I just, um, you know, uh, is this the co-main? I think this is a co-main event for, like, night one of Stand and Deliver. Uh, But I will say this in closing. This makes a lot of sense. I just want to leave you guys with this before I go to the final comment, the final news item and the Superstar of the Week. Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole about 15 years ago was co-main eventing at Ring of Honor. This was the feud that was supposed to elevate both Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, and it kind of did, to a national stage and to become the future of Ring of Honor. wonder who was booking Ring of Honor at that time. Oh, it was Gabe Sapolsky. That's right. And now that O'Reilly and Cole are co-main eventing, stand and deliver the week before WrestleMania, and is this going to elevate both of these guys into an even farther stratosphere in NXT or possibly WWE than they have been in the past, who is currently in NXT working with Triple H to book the show? I'll let you guys answer that question at home because I think you guys already know the answer. Finally, we're going to do something. The last uh, news item of the day, we're going to do something. uh, We're going to do something we haven't really done in a while. We're going to go to the Superstar of the Week. But before we go to the Superstar of the Week, again, I just want to tell you that um, Pro Wrestling Tees is still our go-to for all of Heel Turn Wrestling's merch, so you definitely want to check us out. Uh, All you need to do is just go to uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling, and you can get all of our cool stuff. You can just get our shirts. We don't have a whole bunch right now. We just have four. But uh, you, if you buy more, Pro Wrestling Tees lets us produce more. That's just how it works. And we're trying to grow this thing not just on social media. We're trying to grow heel turn wrestling in the zeitgeist. So help us do that by buying T-shirts. All right. So, uh, again, as I said, we are going to hit the final topic, news topic of the show. And that happens to be from the world of mixed martial arts. I checked out UFC 260 last night because my boy, Stepe Miocic, is the champ. And I support him because, you know, he reps the C town. And so do I. Shout out to Cleveland, City of Champions. But unfortunately, as far as Stepe goes, City of Champions no more as we have a new UFC Heavyweight champion in Francis the Predator, Nagano. The fight was pretty uh, tremendous on Nagano's part. Nagano did some really nice things uh, to earn the belt. Now, before I get to it, I just wanted to let you know that uh, the United States didn't take all the L's last night. Uh, had a really uh, good fight with Steve O'Malley. Uh, took apart uh, uh, Alavera. Alivera. Uh, with a lot of nasty kicks. And although I'm not a huge fan of showboating in the ring, uh, O'Malley with his crazy rainbow starfish hair braids and his, uh, ridiculous kicks, like his spin kicks, uh, basically look like you're getting hit in the face with a golf club. And uh, Alavera really didn't have any answers for that. And also, um, uh, Maverick won last night, uh, uh, against Golliston. uh, uh Miranda Maverick from the United States. Uh she has shoulders like uh cinder blocks and Galston tried her hardest to tap uh her out because she's more of a a canadian artist from uh uh, you know uh, she's a submission specialist but i don't know how you're going to try to choke out somebody with arms and a neck that big and um uh so uh the united states didn't take all of the l's last night but uh the biggest one came from the predator uh, francis naganu uh naganu uh really had an impressive fight because stipe was kind of the victim of what happens during second matches so the first match when you have a, a first match together um it's not so much of a feeling out process as usually the better fighter ends up kind of winning because you know it, it's not not really fought each other so you kind of in that gray area of the better fighter for that night usually wins and uh stipe put a great game plan together to avoid Naganu's power and to play his game. Of course, uh Stepe had been killing it for the better part of a year. So shout out to my boy. But Naganu did the smart thing. He learned. See, the second fight of a three-fight book-ended run or program is always the hardest for the winner of the first one because the second one figures you out. And Naganu and his camp Credit to to them. They figured out what Stipe likes to do. One thing Stipe likes to do is he's great at counterpunching. He will eat two punches and get you. And that's kind of how he actually got Nagano and won, is that Nagano was throwing a bunch of punches and Stipe was able to duck and weave and eat a couple and then come with that quick, powerful right jab and that's pretty much what sealed the deal for the first fight. This fight, Naganu and his camp trained for when that happens, all Naganu did was roll or dodge or get out of the way and counter punch. And he and uh Stepe ate a left that was pretty devastating. I think it rocked him. I mean again he's he's fought uh, Cormier and he's fought other people so stipe can take a punch. Let's go but Naganu is the strongest puncher in UFC right now. Another thing that Naganu did was really brilliant was Stipe has a move where he wants you to get off balance. If he sees you backing up or moving laterally, he usually shoots. And that's another way he dominated Nagano in the first fight is Nagano was on his heels or moving to a different position and Stipe baited him and just a single him and took him down. Well, this match when Stipe tried to do it, who he flattened his hips, he lowered his hips, he spread out, and he won. the first time he did it, uh, he almost pulled Stipe. He almost literally DDT'd Stipe into the ground. Stipe was lucky to keep his balance when he came down. Uh, because Naganu and Nikanu could have easily moved into a submission hole. He easily could have given him a guillotine from there. But uh Naganu played an amazingly good defensive game, and of course came with it when he had to. And once he popped Stipe with that left and and, and put Stipe up against the uh the, the, the wall, it was over. So uh, congratulations to Francis, the Predator Naganu, defeating Stepe Miocic for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. No disrespect to the champ. He is a classy dude. We got a lot of classy dudes, especially since one dude is still hanging around and he's the opposite of classy. I'm not getting into that right now. All I know is that uh, Negranu is the champ and he deserves it. And we're going to go ahead and make Francis the Predator Negranu. The superstar of the week. And the reason why I am doing that is very simple. If you knew about how he got to be an MMA fighter, you would respect his game even more. Let me educate you a little bit on uh, Naganu So he's Cameroonian, obviously, and... If you haven't heard his story before, I'm just kind of putting it together from the Joe Rogan podcast and from uh, other uh, MMA websites who've reported the same thing. When Nagani was small, he was forced to work in the sand mines of Cameroon. Uh, unfortunately, it's a war-torn country. It's an impoverished country. And there's a lot of crap still going on there. Uh, he said that he never really got a formal education because at 10, his family situation dictated that he went to work in the mines. Uh, his father had a reputation for being a street fighter, which, uh, you know, is good or bad. I mean, again, it is what it is, but his father and he were very successful in avoiding the war torn nature of his country. He was successfully able to fend himself off of various gangs and various warlord groups that were recruiting him. Because, again, if you see some giant kid at 10 years old uh, who looks like he can fight, uh, you know, you definitely want him on your squad. Well, he uh, was successful in turning out all that stuff down. And all he wanted to do was be a better person. So he worked to do everything he could to flee Cameroon and he had very harrowing details he was arrested twice for trying to illegally get into uh, Europe His plan was he was going to go from Cameroon through uh, Algeria I believe and into Spain uh, via the uh, Rock of Gibraltar basically just kind of sneak across and he was caught in I'm sorry not Cameroon, in, uh, in, not Algiers in Morocco uh, he was caught and left out uh, to basically fend for himself. Uh, they didn't bring him back to Cameroon. Uh, and he hid for years. For years, he hid in a forest in Morocco, waiting for his opportunity to sneak past the authorities and get to uh, the rocket Gibraltar so he could cross into Spain. He was also arrested in Spain for illegally coming into Europe. And he was in their version of ICE, their version of Homeland Security, for two months. And then they just released him back into Morocco. Um, On his second attempt, he successfully uh, got in and he went from Spain to France. And he then became homeless because there was nobody there. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any resources. He had to fend for himself, and all he knew is he wanted to be a boxer. And even his family was said he was crazy. Why are you trying to be a boxer? They didn't even know what boxing was. They didn't know what fighting was. All he knew is he had to somehow get to France because, again, Cameroonians can speak French because it used to be a French colony. And so the only other place he knew he could function was France because he knew – That France, I guess, was a freer country than his was. And he needed an opportunity. Got trained by Team Extreme. And the rest is history. So God bless him. Overall record, uh, 16-3-0 with four submissions. And a knockout last night to become the UFC heavyweight champion. And congratulations to... Francis the Predator Negranu or Naganu. I keep messing his name up. I'm sorry. I'm gonna put some respect on it, say it again. I keep wanting to say Negranu, you know, the poker player, but not even close. Congratulations to the new UFC heavyweight champion, Francis the Predator Naganu. And with that, we're going to end the show. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks a lot for watching the show. I really appreciate you being here with me. I know we just went straight through with news, but it was all worthwhile and it was all cool to give uh Naganu the, the props that he deserved. So I can't stress it enough. Thanks for being with me here on the podcast on the heel and face podcast brought to you by heel turn wrestling. Hey, we're in the final stretch. We're headed home two weeks and we're going to have WrestleMania. It's nuts already. I can only imagine what Raw is going to be like tomorrow if I check it out at all. Take care. I know many of you are breaking now with spring break. You're off work for a while. Uh, Do some good things. Get some sunshine. Get outside. And then come back and check out the Healing Face podcast, Facebook, and all of the other social media outlets I'm on. Have fun with the week. Have fun with wrestling. And as always, peace.